Good morning. Hope you're all doing well today. Welcome to LifePoint Church. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm one of the pastors here. And whether you're watching us at one of our other locations in Wake Forest or in Cary, uh, we're really excited to have you here today to kick off this brand new series. If you're here for the first time, we would love to meet you after the service. Just come down front. There'll be a couple pastors down there to say hello and introduce yourself to. Well, we're starting a brand new series called Happy New Year. And no, we didn't get our calendars wrong. We didn't pull back two months ahead. But we thought, what if we started talking about the new year early so you would be ready? Because here's what's going to happen to a lot of people. A lot of you are going to get to January, and you're going to walk out to the mailbox, and you're going to get your mail, and you're going to rip it open, and you're going to pull out your credit card bill, and you're going to think, what in the world was I thinking? Why did I do that? It's going to take me months to pay for Christmas. It's going to take a while. Because for a lot of us, Christmas is a stressful time. It's a stressful time maybe relationally, not sure where you should go when. It's a stressful time for some people because they have to work a lot. It's a stressful time because you might have to travel. But for many people, it's a stressful time because of finances. And you get to January and you look back and think, why did I do that? And you'll resolve to never do it again and you're not going to let that happen again. But many people get in that same rut of doing it over and over and over again. So we thought about this series, why don't we talk about the new year before it gets here and talk about some changes that many of us need to make so when the new year comes in several weeks, we'll be ready. Really what we're talking about in this series is taking control of our money. Because most people let their money control them. Most of us let our money tell us what to do. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what's it look like when we tell our money what to do. And it no longer bosses us around. Wouldn't that be nice? So we're going to look at what God has to say about money. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, raise your hand. Ushers will give you one of those. You can keep it. You can borrow it. Or uh, you can just read along on the screen as I read from God's Word. So we're going to start out looking looking at what Jesus Christ had to say about money. He says a lot about it. You know, Jesus taught through these little parables or short stories to illustrate eternal truths. Two-thirds of those short stories that Jesus tells have to do with money and possessions. 2,600 verses in the entire Bible have a lot to do with, have all to do with money. More than have to do with prayer, more than have to do with faith. So if I'm going to be a responsible teacher, guess what I get to teach about? Money. And so we're going to start today looking at an episode in the life of Jesus that that hopefully, if, if it applies to you, you take it to heart and you let it change you now so when the new year comes, things will start out completely different for you. Jesus had just finished doing some pretty deep theological teaching to a group of people. And when he finished, one guy spoke up and said this, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, Hey, Jesus was cool too, right? Man, 
Who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Now, probably what happened was this guy asked the question in a whiny voice, you know, Jesus, I'm not getting what I want. Would you please tell my brother to give me some of that money? I need it. But instead of directly answering the question, Jesus said, look, I'm not going to make a decision about that. But your question reveals a much deeper issue. So Jesus deals with the much deeper issue. And here's what he says. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, this is Jesus Christ saying this. This is Jesus Christ who rose from the dead, who rose other people from the dead, who healed the sick, who taught as no one ever taught before, who started a movement of followers of God that had a greater impact on the world than any movement before or any movement since. He spoke with authority. He had a miraculous birth. He somehow escaped death and rose from the grave. And when somebody like that says, watch out, we should watch out. When he says, watch out, be on your guard, if you have a Bible, you should be underlining that and circling it and putting a star by it and and pulling down the page or bookmarking it so you can look at what does Jesus say when he says, watch out. If you go to the mechanic today and he says, hey, you need to watch out because your tires are worn, you need new tires to be safe, you're going to get new tires. If you go to the doctor and the doctor says, look, you need to watch out, you need to eat different or you're not going to be on the earth a lot longer, you're going to You're going to listen because he knows what he's talking about. Well, when somebody with the authority and power of Jesus says, watch out and be on your guard, we need to watch out and be on our guard. He's getting straight to the point. He's saying you need to be careful or you're going to end up being greedy. See, this guy was only thinking about himself. Now, if you would have asked him, hey man, are you greedy? He would have said, no, I just want my money. I'm not greedy. Are you kidding me? I'm owed this money and I want it. Now, it's easy for us to look at him. Here, Jesus is talking about this deeply spiritual stuff. And the only question he has is, can this guy help me get what I want? That's the only thing he's thinking about. After Jesus taught some really deep truths. First question, hey, how did, Jesus, can you help me get what I want? Of course, I'm not greedy. But everybody standing around would have clearly been able to look and say, this guy is greedy. I mean, I see greedy people all the time. You probably do too. You see people and you think, how did they get that? What are they doing with a new one of those? Didn't they just get a new one of those? Didn't they just go here last year? It's so easy to see other people and think they're greedy. But there's one place that's really hard to see greed. It's not as obvious as it is in this story. It's not as obvious as it is when your neighbor keeps buying new stuff. It's not that obvious. And and it's a place that, that all of us can look, that all of us should look. So if you really want to know where greed is, you really want to really investigate where is greed, this is where you need to look. You need to look right here. And I can, oh, I can see you better with this light. Look at that. Even though you're watching on the cameras, I can see you better. This is where we need to look. But greed is really hard to see in the mirror. I've had a lot of sins confessed to me. 
things that, that you could, some things you probably couldn't imagine. Pastor, I'm doing this. I need to stop. Please help me. But never in all the years, not one time has anybody come into me and said, I'm greedy. And, and I need you to pray for my greed. Nobody says that. Why? Because it's really difficult to look in here and find greed. It's really difficult for you to go home and look in the mirror and find greed, but that's where we want to look today. We're not talking about your neighbor. We're not talking about somebody else in your family. We're talking about something that Jesus said, look at yourself and watch out. Be careful. Be on your guard. Actually, another translation says it like this. Jesus said, keep your eyes on this. Don't stop paying attention to it. Because there's never a time when we're totally immune to greed. Because there's all different kinds of it. So he says, watch out, keep your eyes open. So that means greed must be tricky. It must slip up on me before I realize it's there. Maybe I'm making decisions that I don't even realize they're greedy, but it slips in. And Jesus knows that. And so he illustrates greed by telling a story. And the story starts out like this. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's Jesus giving a picture of greed. Now, what's really easy for us is to say, well, that's a rich guy, uh, not me. So next section of scripture, please, because I'm not rich. The best way to describe rich is having more than you need. Now, there is an income level that if your household income is $48,000 a year or more, you're in the top 1% of the world's wage earners. You may not feel rich, but I'm going to guess that everybody in this room, there could be an exception or two, but most everybody in this room has more than they need. I ate dinner at my house last night, and it's gone. But if I go home today to eat dinner and I open up the cabinet, there's more food in there. And I get to eat again. I've got more than one shirt. I've got more than one pair of shoes or pants. I've got, you probably got the same thing. I have more than I need because I only wear them one at a time. So we all have more than we need. So let's just admit that we are all rich. Now you might not feel like it, but we're rich if we define rich as having more than you need because most of the world doesn't. So when we realize that, now we need to step back and look at greed. What is greed? Well, greed does a few things that can fool us. So if you're taking notes, you might want to write some of these facts down about greed. Greed creeps. Greed creeps up on us because we forget how much we do actually have, how much extra we do really have. So we need to take a look in the mirror and say, is greed creeping into my life in different ways? And here's the way it does. Greed can make you feel like you deserve it. Jesus talked about all kinds of greed. So here's some kinds of greed. The greed that says, I deserve it. It's for me. The, the guy that had the bumper crop and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build bigger barns. That's what I'm going to do because I want it for me. So later I can just live it up. He already had all he needed. 
He had so much that he had to tear down his current storage barns and build bigger storage barns so he could have even more for himself later. So for him, he was probably living with this, hey, I deserve this. I've worked hard for it. Now, if you're a teenager or a 20-something, I want you to listen to me because I'm going to offend you. Just I'll say it right now. I'm going to offend you, but then I'm going to make you feel better. So those of you that are from teenagers to college age, you deal with this in a big way, with feeling like you deserve it because you're the first generation that got trophies just for showing up. You know, for not doing anything but just showing up, getting dressed, showing up. I got it. Didn't matter how great you dribbled the ball or caught it or three, it didn't matter. You got a trophy. Good job. So, what happens when people like that get into life? Well, they think they're owed something. They think, well, why why don't I get, why am I not winning? And reality smacks you in the face and you realize, oh, you don't get a trophy for just showing up? You don't get a ribbon for effort? No, you don't. That's not how the world works. Today's college graduate, in a recent survey, here's what they said when they were asked, how long do you plan on to work, plan on working before retirement? 15 years. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Everybody over 40 is like, oh man, that is so funny. That's what they think. 15 years? Because hey, I I deserve, I don't want to work all the time. And so that's what they think. I just have to work 15 years. Now that I've offended you, let me, let me make you feel good if you're in that age group. The great things about older teens and people in their 20s is that they love things less. It's true. That generation of people love material things less. Unless, of course, it's the latest gadget or you know a $5 cup of coffee. But you take that off the table. They love things less less. Minimalist living is on the rise like never before, and it's led by people in that generation. So if you're in that generation and I offended you, you can still teach us something. You can teach older people that you don't need all you think you need. You need to focus more on relationships and less on stuff. That's the positive part. But we all have to be careful that we don't have this sense of, I deserve it because I breathe air. That's what greed does to you. It makes you feel like you deserve it. Greed also takes away margin in life. We all need margin. You need relational margin. You need financial margin. But we tend to fill up our margin with stuff. Did you ever feel like you just had so much margin? You're probably thinking, that'd be great. Financial margin, time margin for relationships, that'd be perfect. When I was a graduate student, I got my first non-seasonal job, and they paid once a month. So once a month, I would get a paycheck for $800, and I felt rich because I was still on the the dad plan where he was taking care of the rent and the tuition and the car and all that stuff. So I had 800 bucks. I could do whatever I wanted with that 800 bucks, and I would get that on the first of the month, and it would be gone before the next first of the month came. And I quickly learned that maybe I shouldn't buy everybody dinner when we go out because I'm like, I got $800, check this out. (laughs) Not thinking I got 30 or 31 days until that comes around again. And so very quickly, this idea of margin came into my life. So I only did that for a couple of months and then I started thinking, you know what, maybe I ought to pace myself a little bit, you know, not, not be all gone before the fifth day of the month. So it taught me 
because I got paid like that, it taught me at an early age how to develop margin. People that don't have margin are people that are stressed out. When I spend all of my time away from my family, I have a few busy weeks or, or I'm traveling and, and I don't have margin to spend time with them, I start to feel it. My wife starts to feel it. Our kids start to feel it that, hey, dad doesn't have much margin. And so that's a time when I back up and think, all right, I got I to gotta change some things around to get some margin. And many of you need to change some things around in your life to get this financial margin. Because margin is where contentment is found. Margin is where the stress is relieved. Margin is where you can really start to enjoy the full life. And those of you that don't have margin right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because it stings a little bit to think, no, I don't, I don't have any margin. Every extra bit of time I have, I have to work because I get every little extra bit of money I get, I got to go towards mistakes that I made in the past or something that happened to me and you're stressing out and not enjoying life. So greed takes away our margin. Greed also moves contentment. This farmer that Jesus told this story about, he probably at some point thought, when I earn this amount, then I'll be content. But then he got there and it wasn't there, so he had to go somewhere else. And the way that happens for us is we think, if I could just get to this purchase or this income level, then I'll be content and life will be great. But you know what happens when you get there? You find out, wait a minute, I thought contentment was here. It's not really here. It's all the way over here. Greed causes contentment to move around. It doesn't stay in the same place. So Jesus is saying, be careful. Watch out. So you know what people end up doing? They think, well, I want contentment, and whatever it means, I'm going to do it. Whatever, it mean, whatever I can do to get to contentment, whatever I can purchase, I'm going to get there. But, but you don't realize that greed moves contentment. And people will do anything, even if it means pulling out the credit card and saying, if it, this is what it takes, then this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull this out, and I'm not going to let you all online. I'm not going to, I got my numbers covered there, so stop trying to zoom in, all right? So people pull it out and say, maybe this, maybe this will get me to contentment because I don't have to think about it for a while. Maybe this is the answer. You know, there's a lot of great uh, accolades that the state of North Carolina, even our city, get. We get uh, rated the top place to live, uh, highest wages, um, great place to raise a family, great place to start a business, cleanest city, all that kind of stuff, always in the top five or 10. But there's another area where we rate in the top five. In fact, number three behind Alaska and Colorado is the amount of credit card debt held per household or per individual, $5,619. That's the average in North Carolina. Average credit card debt in the U.S. is $4,800. All because people think, if I could just make this one more purchase, this one more level, I don't have to wait for it, don't want to wait on it. If I could just get there, then I'll be content. 
and you get there and you find that contentment has moved and then you got to pay for it later. What a bad deal that is. The average person in the Christmas season will spend $770 for gifts. Now, we, my family spends a lot less than that, so that means some of you are spending a lot more. And so, like, I would like to come to your house, you know, maybe be part of your family over the Christmas season. $770, all because people think if I get here, if I buy them that, they're going to grow up, you know, more functional, so I'm going to buy them everything they want, which never works. In fact, it causes the opposite. Or I'm going to buy this person this because I love them so much and I'm just going to, I'm going to go ahead and spend it even though I don't have it. And I'll get there and I'll be content and you get there and find out where did contentment go? It moved. Well, greed moves it. Another thing greed does, greed feeds this idea of more. Feeds the idea of I want more. John D. Rockefeller was asked one time, how much money is enough money? And he replied, a little bit more. All of us can probably relate to wanting just a little bit more. And what a little bit more does, it makes us make bad financial decisions. You know what people do? I've done this before. They will take a perfectly good car and they'll drive it down to a car dealer and they'll give it to him and they'll bring another one home and pay the difference. When the first one was fine, there was nothing wrong with it, but you got to upgrade, right? He's got newer stuff. So I want to upgrade. And so it doesn't matter what it costs. I just have to do it. I want more. Greed says, I want more. I am two generations back on my phone, and it drives me crazy. I hate it. Every time somebody sits down beside me with the bigger iPhone, I'm like, gosh, you greedy person, you know. <laughs> the other one was just fine. Now look at theirs. I'm getting close, though. It's not going to be long. I can't tell that story. Because, why? Because I want more. I want to upgrade. And then when you do upgrade, you only have about a few months. And it's like, oh, it's junk again. It didn't last. Greed feeds this idea of more. So how could this guy's story have ended or had gone, had gone differently? What could he have done? How could it have been a different story? What if he would have realized, you know what? what if I have all the money I need. What if I, what if I don't store it up? What if I do something else with it? What if, I, what if he started to realize that, you know, this is just greed creeping into my heart that's making me feel like when I have more and I feel more secure and more, uh, more happy with all I have stored up, then I'll get there and I'm going to be content. What, or I won't be content. What if he had realized that earlier? What, what if he had started to say that? What good could he have done? What could have been different in his life? See, greed is simply this. It's a relentless search to be filled. It's relentlessly searching to be filled up. And then when you get there, you're not full. Greed is chasing that which I will never catch. So if you feel like you're just chasing over and over and over again, and, and it just you're not getting where you thought you would get, maybe the best place to start is not a financial class. It's not even thinking, okay, today we're going to spend less money. It's not even that. It's going home and taking a good long look right here and saying, what can I do different? How can I live differently? How can I reprioritize my life? How can I do that? Now, we're going to give you some steps to help you do that. 
so you can get to living a greed-free life. But here's how this story ends with Jesus. After he said, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry, it says, but God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but they're not rich towards God. Store up things for yourself, but you're not rich towards God. Jesus said, that's foolish. He's not saying storing up things for yourself is foolish. He's saying storing up things for yourself and not being rich towards God is a foolish thing to do. And when it comes to generosity, some people just won't be generous. They just won't do it. They just will not give up more of what they have to be generous to others. And, and that's not something you can force. I mean, well, it can be forced, but it doesn't work. It's not something you can force on somebody. It, generosity comes from inside, and some people just won't do it. There's a heart problem, and they just will not do it. And I'm not talking about just generosity to the church or generosity here. I'm talking about everywhere. Some people just will not do it. Then there's other people who say, look, I'll give, but I have to hear a compelling vision. And if it's compelling and I feel like it's going to make a difference, then yes, I'll be generous. I understand that. That's how I feel. I'll, I'll be generous. I'll give to things, but I have to be convinced that it's really going to make a difference. And that my sacrifice is going to result in a blessing somewhere else. I get that. But there's a lot of you, when we talk about generosity, or you see opportunities in the community or at your school to be generous, and you think about it, it hurts a little, stings a little, because you can't. You want to be generous, but you can't be generous because of one thing, debt. Because you've taken this thing out too many times, you've signed your name on the dotted line too many times, and you don't have margin, and you've allowed greed to creep in that never felt like greed in the first place, you never felt rich in the first place, and so you let greed come into your life and you find yourself in a place where you have no margin, and even when generosity is an opportunity, you can't do it because of that. Imagine a greed-free, debt-free life. You can get there. You can do it. Fast forward into 2016. Imagine a few weeks from now, January comes along, and you get mid-month when the, when the credit card statement shows up. And instead of like, you know, daring, you know, you go to the mailbox. No, you go to the mailbox. I'm not going to go. You go because you know what's out there. Instead of worrying about that, you go out there and you get it and you open the envelope and you pull it out and it's got zeros on it. And contrast that with going out, letting it lay on the table for a few days because you know what it's going to be and you open it up and it's full of charges that you can't even remember what you bought and why you bought it and see no benefit from it, but now you got to pay for it. Which way would you rather start your new year? Well, of course, with zeros. Wouldn't that be better? To look back and say, I made it through Christmas, I didn't charge anything, and now when there's opportunities to be generous, when I have to have financial margin, I have it. And so here's what we're going to ask you to do. We're going to ask you to have a debt-free Christmas, because when you, when you spend cash, did you know that 
the same uh, receptors in your brain are activated as pain, like spending cash or smacking your thumb with a hammer, not much different in your brain. It's true. I've tried it. I heard Dave Ramsey say this years ago, and I thought, I'm going to try it. When I spend cash, I slide that across the table a lot slower. I look around a lot longer. And when I've got the cash and open up my wallet, and I know how much is in there, it, it goes out a lot faster. But if I'm just pulling out a card, that doesn't hurt. It's just plastic. Here you go. I'll have another one. Here you go. Here, let me get you one. Come on up here. And you just spend. So what if... We said together, let's do a debt-free Christmas. Now, some of you may say, well, I already do that. Great, teach the rest of us. Share your wisdom. Share your practices on how you do it. And together, we'll learn together how to say no to things, how to put things off, and how to be reasonable with gifts. And we're not just going to say it today and then say, all right, enjoy, be a, have a debt-free Christmas. We're going to do some things. We're going to ask you to join the debt-free Christmas journey. We have a Facebook group that we want all of you to join. It's called the LifePoint Debt-Free Christmas. If you go home today, search that. You'll be able to find it. We've got some suggestions on there, some Christmas budgets. And what we want you to do with that is to share ideas. Because you know what's going to happen? There's a day coming up here. When it, what is it? On, it's, a, it's a Friday. What's it called? Black Friday. Yeah, Black Friday's coming up. And, and, and I'm going shopping. And you're probably going shopping. And you're going to find great deals, maybe even before that, or online deals. You're going to, you're going to share that in that Facebook group. Or you're going to say, hey, we, we made this for Christmas instead of purchasing it. We decided to simplify and do this this year instead of what we did before, and we did it without debt, and we're going to share that, and we're all going to celebrate with you. I want you to post it on there. When you find free stuff, definitely put that on there. Great deals and gift ideas. Put that on there. Last year, I asked Cinda and the girls to make, uh, to make me something for Christmas. Don't buy anything, make something. And what they made is it's hanging on the wall, three pieces of art hanging on the wall in my office. It means more than anything they could have bought, even the latest phone. So maybe that's a way for you to do that. So we want you to celebrate so much that we have a gift bag for one for each family as you go out. And in this gift bag are several items that will help you enjoy a debt-free Christmas. Let's all say that together. Debt-free Christmas. We're going to do this, okay? So the first thing that's in there that we want you to pull out is we have two of these. It's a credit card holder, and we want you to take your credit card, husband and wife, you're married, and, and put that in there. And there's a sticker on it that says, warning, proceed with caution. And so just keep it in there. Keep it in there through the whole holiday season. And that way, when you get ready to purchase something, uh, you can pull that out and go, oh, oh, do I really want to do that? Or should I spend cash? Sometimes it's, it's not as convenient to carry cash or even safe to carry cash. So if you are using a credit or debit card, uh, just remember, hey, proceed with caution if I'm going to do this. And make sure, guys, if you have a wife that spends a lot, wives, if you have a husband that spends a lot, uh, make sure you've got this. You know, put it places uh, where they can see it. So we got two of those in there, and there's a few other things in there for you. There's, a, there's the debt-free Christmas guide that we made up for you. So you can be intentional and put some purpose behind it. It talk, talks about how to get prepared, how to get creative, and how to get focused on really having a debt-free Christmas where most people go crazy in debt to buy things for people that don't need anything. And then when you find really good deals, and when you make a purchase that you know is less, or you use cash, 
or you say no, when you feel like I just won, I left this store and I feel so good. I, I usually have 10 bags and I've only got five this time. I just won and I didn't use a credit card. We want you to celebrate and we want you to post it on the Facebook page. So they simply celebrate by putting this on. Um, put on the hat. This is, I'm serious. We want you to do this and post the picture. And like, Rob, come out here. So, so let's pretend it won't happen that Rob and I go shopping together. Yeah, perfect. Cover let's up that bald that, spot. Let's pretend that Rob and I, let's pretend we go shopping together and we find a great deal. And what we're going to do is when we come out of the store, we're going we're gonna to get our phones. I think mine's up here, my old worn out phone. And we're going we're gonna to post a picture and we're going to celebrate. All right, that's, that's what we want you to do. All right, so go home and join that. Send it to your friends. It doesn't matter if they go to our church or not because anybody that figures out how to go debt-free through a time of year that most people don't, they're gonna win. Please get one of these on the way out and let's go through this journey together. And then in January, we'll really have something to celebrate. Can't wait to hear the stories that come from this.